Welcome to Good Life. I'm Dean Wilson. So glad you joined us wherever you are. Uh, we see you joining us from all over the world on goodlifetelevision.org. We're grateful. Uh, we're talking about the good stuff. We're talking to great people. Uh, it's It's been a lot of fun, and, and we're so glad to have you. Uh, you can also find at goodlifetelevision.org, we have the full-form interviews as well as what we call power clips. We kind of break those interviews up into some of the great moments, so we hope you'll join us there. You can find us on all the social media platforms, and, and we're grateful. I'm really excited about my guest uh, today. Linda Pearl is with me. Uh, Linda, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Linda's an actress and uh, singer and has a long and great, wonderful career. I told her before we came on, you're looking at like the biggest happy days slash The Office fan that may exist. And my family's like obsessed with The Office. When I told them that, you know, Pam's mom is coming on, they didn't believe me at first, but here she is. I was going to ask you first, before we get to your, some of your work, I, I, I was reading about you. You grew up, you spent some of your early life in Japan. I did. How did that kind of affect your, kind of your life? Oh, sure. Well, it's funny. A couple of days ago, I was at a, a kind of reunion with some childhood friends from Tokyo. And whenever we do gather, we all say how lucky we were. Um, our collective parents were in industry in Japan. And, and um, by collective, I mean folks really from all over the world. It was a big inhale for Japan at the time. This is the late 50s, early 60s. They were emerging from the scars of war and were looking profoundly to join the 20th century. And so there was a lot going on. It was a time of tremendous growth and curiosity and a very, very steep learning curve for everyone. Um, so we grew up, my sister and I grew up in, in a very unusual sort of privileged bubble, I would say. Um, it, was, it was global. We, there were 34 nationalities, I think, in the school I went to, very ecumenical. There was, you know, Hindi and and, uh, and Jewish and, and Christian of every Christian denomination and Buddhist, obviously. And so we all just were in there, you know, Muslim all together. And, uh, and I, I think that was such a tremendous uh, um, advantage for us as we now are living in a global reality uh, in the 21st century. So wow. It, it was very, it was very influential um, in the way that all of our childhoods are, but that experience in Japan only existed then. Of course, it's moved on to other kinds of uh, cultural influences and, um, and 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 a different time. I went back there a few years ago and walked through my neighborhood, childhood neighborhood, which, when I was growing up there, we were the only foreigners there. Um, there was only Japanese spoken on the street. And now I went back and gosh, there were all kinds of languages. There were all kinds of foreigners and, and there, and of course, you know, Japanese, but um, I sort of felt like we were accidental pioneers just through the grace of our parents' uh, careers that we were there uh, we didn't know it. We were just living our life playing, you know, hopscotch on the street as kids, but we were kind of very unofficial ambassadors of the West. And, and that imprint has just moved forward. So, I mean, in the way that all of us stand on our parents' shoulders, I, I felt like in some way, the generation now is standing on our, our experience. 
Wow. And did you, and you came back, you, you, you came back to a boarding school and you, but you were, you were acting early. I was. Did, is, I, my parents were, were theater centric people. Um, they were, and also uh, part of that sort of inhale of curiosity, there was the Bolshoi ballet and the Kidoff ballet and Royal Shakespeare company and plays from Broadway. And often there weren't really that many hotels to stay in. And we had a big old rambly house with bedrooms tucked away here and there. So we, for the most of my childhood, there would be some artist sitting, waking up, you know, at the breakfast table from who knows where, uh, I mean, dancers and uh, designers and actors and painters and sculptors and teachers and whatnot. So, wow. So you were around it a lot. I was. So I started working in Japan and it was, there weren't that many people, families who lived there for as long as we did. So I had continuity there for 15 years and I spoke the language and was interested in the theater. So, and between that and the Japanese being interested in the West, if there was ever a role for, uh, for you know, a blonde person who spoke Japanese, I would get it. Not because I was any good; I was just the only one around. <laughs> so I, that was the, my training, and I, I studied there at the, one of the you know dramatic academies, and uh, so that was kind of how my my entry point into into the arts. Yeah, you, you have you know obviously you've done like hundreds of things, but you but I was going to ask you specifically about about some of your work you, you 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 were you did a little matlock with andy griffith you worked with ron howard and henry winkler on happy days um of course the, the my my favorite the great steve carell well tell what can you tell us about henry winkler what can you tell us about some of these kind of legendary oh, guys oh, that you work with favorite things about henry who's now really a, a lifelong friend i mean i've known him since i was 18 that was a long time ago um, is that Henry is uh, so grateful to his fans. He's never, ever, right from the get-go, never lost sight of the fact that it was the fans that put him where he was. So he's, he's had a very robust dialogue with his, with his fan base, and that's just out of sheer gratitude. Mm. Um, and you know, he's a hardworking guy, actually all of them. I mean, Steve Carell falls so much in that category. And when I went to work on The Office, it felt very similarly to the atmosphere uh, of Happy Days. It was Happy Days, you know, the, the, the comedy was very, was very light touch. And so Gary Marshall, rest his soul, and Jerry Paris, our primary director, rest his soul too. Uh, they just knew that we had to, that they had to create and, and, and nurture uh, an atmosphere of silly and, and uh, childlike qualities. So nobody brought their garbage to work. It just, you cross the threshold of that soundstage 17 and, and that was it. It was just, everything was, everything that needed to be left outside was. And uh, so we just had delight you know, a delicious delight in each other. And it felt very much that same way when I joined the cast of The Office. I mean, I joined quite late and it, it could have been at that point, they had ridden such a gorgeous wave of success. They kind of could have been jaded or whatever, but it wasn't that way at all. They all turned up like it was the first day of school. And I, 
I mean, everybody joined in on that, but like any organization, it starts at the top. So I have to credit Steve with that. You know, he hmm. was very focused, very, very diligent, very, very present and caring about the work and, and, and everybody. So. And you, at Happy Days, you started with kind of with the, the maybe season two or something, I think it was when, when you were, yeah. and you played Gloria. Did you know at that point, I mean, was it big at that point? Was did, was it unclear whether Happy Days was going to take off or where, where was it when you first joined it? It was, it was just kind of coming along. I mean, they'd had a first nice first season and it had been doing well, but it wasn't, the success was growing. It wasn't anywhere near the meteoric success that, I mean, one of the things that happened is that it was, it was Ron Howard's show. It was meant to be Ron's, you know, centering on him with all the ancillary characters. And, and uh, that was lucky for me because that's why they needed ancillary characters, particularly around Richie. But as the show started to develop, it was the Fonzie character most unexpectedly that took off. So, and Ron was at that point was starting to lean towards directing a little bit. So he was, um, you know, gee, what a shame that didn't work out for him at all. But, uh, <laughs> he, so anyway, the, the supporting characters around, around Richie just weren't needed anymore because they were putting so much of the focus onto, onto Henry or onto Fonzie. So that was, uh, I was out. Of the- and, and then you became Fonzie's girlfriend. <laughs> you know, when they uh this is however many years later and there was a casting notice that came out and uh, that was drawn to my attention because it said they were looking for a fiance for Fonzie they were looking for a Linda Pearl type so I said oh really agent, well see if you can get me in the door for that and I auditioned along with 500 other women and anyway I I was lucky to to get it but i that would have been pretty depressing if i hadn't <laughs> right and, and you, it meant that gary had to be okay with me coming back now albeit years later as a as a totally different character right right yeah i know i didn't put that together for a little while but then i finally figured it out um and, and was the office as fun as it looked? I mean, you, you mentioned that it, the culture was a lot like Happy Days, but what? Yeah. W- w- tell us about the, a little bit behind the scenes at the office. Well, there was a lot that was unusual about it to me. For for one thing, I I had anticipated that there would be a lot of improv improvisation, which is terrifying. There's some actors that like that. I don't. I'm allergic to it. It's just like scary. <laughs> so, but in fact, that was not the case. Um, although it looks like that, it looks very loose, but no, they were very, very strict by choice to, to stick to the lines. And what was very improvisational was that usually when you're shooting, I mean, you know, you're sitting there in front of a camera, you have a set place and you have set moves and you have marks on the floor that you hit so that the camera can move and everybody can stay in focus. It was not that way at all on the office. There was always another character in the scene, unseen, that was the cameraman. He was strapped with a you know camera on him. So he would move. We never had marks on the floor. It was, it was a dance. And this camera operator would, I mean, at that point, he'd been doing the show for so long, they really, they sort of knew each other's moves, but he would 
in essence, breathe with the cast members and just into it, who was going to have a look next or who would be next. So he was moving and you had to adjust your body position for him so that he could get in there and get the close up on somebody or get the, you know, the earlobe of somebody else or the, the smarty pants remark into the lens. So that was fun. It was very physically, it was very fluid, which is not a way I had ever even known uh, could be done. Um, so it was a fun set. Most of the cast members were terrific musicians and they bring their fiddle and their banjo and their, their um, what's that thing called? The, oh, anyway, I forgot now. <laughs> this is what happens. Uh, <laughs> so there'd be great jam sessions uh, during lunch. And uh, there was a sense of, of playfulness that I think, you know, then translated to the, to the screen. Do you have, I mean, you must have, I mean, going, looking at your, your credits and kind of everything you've done, I mean, you must have lots of long-term friendships from all these different places. I mean, all these yes, different I shows. I do. It's one of the, of my most favorite things about this industry. We work, for instance, with this show. Well, this is, this is the one I'm working on now in Santa Barbara at the Ensemble Studio Theater. Um, my director, this is my sixth time to do a play with her. I just love her. She's chosen family. My co-star in this, David Engel, has long been a friend. I'm basically a David Engel groupie, so finally I get a chance <laughs> to work with him. Um, but it's odd because you work together very, very closely for an intense period of time, and it's almost like a quantum thing. The kinds of friendships that you develop working on a, a play or even a movie for a month uh, bear little relationship to how much physical time we've had together. I mean, when you work... Eh, you know, someone is putting clothes on your body. They're sculpting clothes to your body. They're putting makeup on your face. You're, when you're working with your fellow actors, you're, you're totally dependent on one another. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna swim, you're gonna swim together. And if you're gonna sink, you're going off the cliff together. So, you know, you share the fabric of humanity together in a way that doesn't happen that quickly in normal life. And so those ties are very, very, very powerful and long lasting. Wow. And uh, um, so even though it's very much a gypsy life, you know, people working all over the world and different mediums, um, but whenever you see someone with whom you have worked, there's this other thing that you get treasure really that you uh... that's beautiful well we're going to bring in uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to bring in jenny sullivan the director and david engel the producer of tenderly the rosemary clooney and musical co-star pardon me yeah co-star -co sorry Not yes produce and hasn't produced but he's the yeah yes got it yeah co-star yeah we're i'm really excited to talk about the rosemary clooney musical so linda linda will be with us we'll be right back stay with us uh, David Engel and, and Jenny Sullivan will join us in a moment. Thank you so much. Welcome back to Good Life. Uh, I have Linda Pearl has, has rejoined me, and now we're joined by Jenny Sullivan, uh, the director, and uh, David Engel, the co-star in Tenderly, the Rosemary Clooney musical. So welcome, guys. Uh, quickly, 
David is is a Broadway singer, actor, dancer, six-time winner of the Ovation Awards uh, in Los Angeles, given by the Los Angeles Stage Alliance. Jenny has a distinguished career as a film and television actress as well, and they're now all here in Santa Barbara, California, where I'm sitting, and they are about to... Uh, to bring us this new musical, October 7 to 24, 2021, at the Ensemble Theater. Um, so I'll, maybe I'll start with you, David. Uh, coming from kind of your background, what what kind of drew you to this project? Uh, actually, uh, they just called me because I was referred. But uh, what, what interests me is I love Rosemary Clooney. I mean, who doesn't? She's an American treasure. And uh, but but. What is exciting about this for me? So Linda is Rosemary. I play everybody else in her life. Um, so I play actually 13 other characters. So I've wow. done other shows where I play multiple characters. And it's, it's really a, a, a lot of fun and very challenging. And we're finding it. Jenny and I are, you know, discussing all the characters. And uh, I'm helped out with, you know, accents and, and different voices and, and body language that changes these characters. But because I play... Um, I play Linda's uh, psych, uh, psychoanalyst, uh, psychiatrist, and uh, the whole show is is a kind of therapy session. But I suddenly turn into these other people in her life: her husbands, her 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 priest, her mother, her sister. You know, I play everybody. So it, that's that's really uh, that's really challenging and really fun, really fun for me. And Jenny, what excites you you about this whole thing? Well, I think it's a story that uh, a lot of people don't know. Rosemary, they have an idea of Rosemary Clooney, and this is a much deeper look into what, what made her the woman that she became by the end of this play. And it's, it'll be very surprising, I think, for people. The music is fantastic, and the story is really rich and deep. Yeah, I, I I was telling you these folks be, before we came on, you know, I I knew who Rosemary Clooney was, and I knew of course White Christmas and and so forth, but I didn't know a lot of this story and kind of her different, uh, somewhat difficult life. I mean, she, you know, there was there was addiction, there was mental health challenges. She lost her sister really suddenly. There was a lot of suffering that she endured. And, and Linda, tell us a little bit about your thoughts going into this, and in, in terms of your playing Rosemary. Um, what, 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 what excites you about this? Well, pretty much everything. I, David and I both, and I think Jenny too, had the privilege of knowing Rosemary. And um, so, there, so there was that. And it was, in, in my case, it was sort of unusual. I came to know Jose initially, and uh, two of her sons worked together in the 80s. And then the friendship just kept sort of folding in. Um, another one of her sons, Gabri, was my pastor in Beverly Hills for years. And um, so, of course, and he's married to Debbie Boone, which is your, you know, your friend with Debbie, a bunch of fantastic singer. And, but Rosie was, of course, this was later in her life that I came to, to know her. Um, but her house, she had sort of an open door policy at her house in Roxbury Drive. So we got to spend some time there. And my son was friends with two of her grandkids so even when we were we happened to be in new york <laughs> at the same time and rosie would swoop all the grandkids up and my little boy and she'd take him to fao schwartz for the day 
and they'd come back exhausted, you know, on a sugar high with just presents and presents. She was Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny all in one. And anyway, but as you have those, though, you see her interact with her family. And uh, I've told this to David and Jenny, but at, at some point I was at her house. It was a party, and it was just a, 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 a not a good time in my life. And but I thought I was, you know, I had everything covered up and shiny and smiley and I passed by Rosemary and she grabbed my hand and she looked through me and she said keep singing baby the music will never let you down and I knew in that moment getting a big life download and that was whoa 26 years ago or 20 years ago she said that and that statement keeps coming back it's like oh that's what she meant wow so I didn't, I didn't realize that. So you knew her. I mean, did... I did, but that was Rosemary's life. She had a big embrace of, of people and friends and, and family. And uh, so, yeah, I was like David, uh, very lucky to, to know her. Yeah. And Jenny, what can fans, what, what can uh, the audience expect? Well, how, how, as you kind of, tease this or talk about this what can we expect at the ensemble theater in mid-october well you can expect a very multi-layered performance from both my actors <laughs> and uh the uh the whole design of it uh, should be pretty magical in terms of moving in and out of the music and the storytelling. And the storytelling does get pretty dark and heavy, but it also is very entertaining. I mean, there's a lot of humor and wonderful dancing in it. And, and what can I say to music? People go out singing. I wake up singing some of these songs. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it's just amazing how that happens. Uh, I mean, I hear them and then I wake up and I'm singing them in the morning. Yeah. So it's it, it's going to be a real awakening for people about her. And then there are a lot of people who don't know Rosemary Clooney that I've talked to, younger people, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I think it I think I think it's going to be really a surprising treat for them and a cautionary tale. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I mean, it, it, just in this particular time where it seems like mental health, you know, some substance issues, some of this, it just seems like it's more prominent and prevalent than ever before. Yeah. Uh, it seems like there is a lesson there, probably. At the first um, uh, read through of it, I said to everybody, the, the production team and the cast, that it's the perfect play to be coming back with because we've all survived a very rough year and a half, almost two years. And we were supposed to do this, this play in May of 2020. So it is a play about survival. It's a story about survival. It's one person's, but it, it becomes the universal story that we've all gone through. So I'm, I think it's the perfect event. Wow. Yeah. I, and I do have a, I do have a, a, a love for Rosemary and what she did with in, in relationship to brain injury. Uh, we have, I have actually have a brain injured daughter who had a stroke in the womb actually. Uh, but I know that after she lost her sister, that she did a lot of work in that area. And so I just side note, but I have a soft spot for her. Um, David, what, what's the, how in the world do you play 13 
characters. What's that like? Have you done this before? <laughs> 13? I haven't done this show before, but I did a, I did a show a couple years ago called um, Fully Committed, and it was 37 characters. It was a one-man show. It was just very schizophrenic. And with that, and same with this, it's it's not the memorization. We 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 have the time, and 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 I am learning it all. It's just remembering who am I now. I and then once I get into it, I mean, yesterday I I uh, we were I had to play this announcer guy, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing him in a I'm I'm thinking uh, I had him as a different person doing. Oh my gosh! So it's just trying to get him straight. I was I was doing the wrong <laughs> accent with the wrong person, and then I go, oh my gosh, I'm doing Bing Crosby now, not him. And so it's <laughs> it's a little schizophrenic, but you know it's fun and and it's actually pretty funny. Uh, but by the time we get there, I'll I'll, I'll have it. But it's I, I enjoy the challenge. I just want to see you do the George Clooney part. I, George isn't in this. <laughs> I figured it's, he wasn't. Uh, but. The, uh, their uh, Uncle George, I play uh, Uncle George Clooney is actually named after. I do play uh, Rosie's and Betty's Uncle George. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. But, you, yeah, George, George isn't anywhere in this. Yeah, the, the I, I figured. <laughs> so, 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 just to just to reiterate, the, it's the the show is tenderly the Rosemary Clooney musical at the Ensemble Theater, October seventh through twenty fourth, here in Santa Barbara, California. How do people get tickets? Just as a side note. Well, you can get them on the website um, for Ensemble, which I don't have right in front of me. And there's okay, Ensemble's also a website. box office phone number. I believe the box office is open from twelve five every day except Sunday and Monday. And then it opens an hour before uh, a performance. I'm saying this off the top of my head, but I think okay. that's Okay, we'll, we'll put some of those details out when we push okay. this out. We Great. can find but the ensemble oh, theater. A vaccinated card. You need to have your, you know, just bring your vaccine card to right. so that you can attend. Right, got it. Talking to the three of you, just reading about the three of you and these like all the work that you guys have done. I'm totally not in this world that you're in, but I'm so curious about it. When you look for, for an actor, for a director, for whatever, uh, is the favorite project always the one you're working on? I mean, it, it, it better be. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, is that kind of how it works? Because I mean, I, I know you have a lot to look back on, but yeah, you, just, always... you have to focus on the work that you're on. Um, I, I actually, this is my second show back. I was lucky enough to just close a production of uh, Newsies back east in New York. And uh, I was playing the villain in that. But I, I let Jenny know, I said, I have to focus on this. As soon as I get it open, I can then focus on the next. But once you're in it, yeah, you're 100% in it. And we, we all have work that's behind us. And great things that we're proud of but it's it is all about what you're working on and and we are we're we're in it we're these days that we're working right now are just i mean we don't have a break linda and i are on at all times she actually has the lion's share she and she's i mean tearing it up uh but we are both working the whole time it's exhausting at the end of the day because you're so focused and we just have our little breaks but it is us all the time and jenny all the time 
I will say for me, one of the, the great treasures for me with each new show is uh, the cast that I get to work with. And I'm so happy to add David to my uh, company of actors that I'm enjoying so much. And I've had the great good fortune of working with Linda several times on some very large, important pieces in our lives. And uh, it is, it's just means so much to be back in the room with people that you share those deep journeys with. So that's, yeah. that's my thing, so. Thanks for hiring me, Jenny. <laughs> Thanks for having me there. <laughs> you guys um, together thought to do this, right? Wasn't it uh, kind of together you guys did? And, and for years you've been wanting to do this piece. Well, we had um, uh, the uh, play had come uh, to uh, Linda's attention and we sat around uh, her kitchen and read it with um, Jason and my manager was there and we read it and then and thought wow this could be really interesting and we talked to the writers a couple of times and then it just sort of disappeared this was a long time ago and then um, just, uh, six years ago uh, a friend of mine at another theater said, I have a play I want to do. And he started describing it to me. And it was this play. <laughs> so I went, I know this. So that's how it's come around. So it's it's kind of great to be actually. And I'm so grateful to Jonathan Fox for hanging in there and saying, yes, we're going to do it. We're going to do it right. So uh, Jonathan's the artistic director of Ensemble Theater. So. Um, yeah, but it has been floating around our lives for a while. On the heels of that, I want to give a shout out to Jonathan and Ensemble Theatre Company because this has been an impossible time. I mean, an unimaginable time for the live arts and many theaters have folded, but this one didn't. And that's because everyone involved made sacrifices, Jonathan especially, their donors, their board, their subscribers have stayed with them and therefore it has managed to survive. So we really want to come in and, and support this. I, I have to say, I, it, it's very emotional for all of us to be able to be back in the rehearsal room doing what we do. And there's just nothing like the experience of live theater. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Well, if you're in the Santa Barbara area, if you're in the LA area, come on up uh, October 7th through 24th, the Ensemble Theater. You can find your tickets and uh, I think it's going to be fantastic. Tenderly, the Rosemary Clooney musical, David Engel, Jenny Sullivan, Linda Pearl, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we'll see you next time. Okay. <laughs> Bye.